Turn with me first to Exodus, the 19th chapter. I will be preaching from 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But I'm building up to what that message is going to be. So please turn with me to chapter 19. And I'm going to start reading at the fourth verse. Exodus 19, verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So this is just after God had taken the people out of Egypt and brought them across the Red Sea, and they're in uh, the desert at Mount Sinai, and the Lord had brought Moses to him, and he told Moses, I want to make your people great. I want to make them a special people. And I want to make them a great nation. And I will make them a product of priesthood. Now, all of this the Lord wanted to do, and you know that for them to be called great, That had to be something for them to think about. And so whenever Moses took it to the people, all the people said, yes, of course, we want to be this special people. We want to be a great nation. We want to be priests. We want to do all that God has called us to do. So yes, we will do it. We want to be that People. But what happened after that? I mean, if God called them to be all this, He expected them to follow everything that He wanted, and what He wanted was them to be a sinless people, and He wanted them to be able to go to other nations and bring the Word of God to them. They were supposed to be the first ambassadors for God. And instead, whenever Moses went up to Mount Sinai... Oh, by the way, I remember my notes. But I don't think I'll need them. But 
Moses went up to, on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And as soon as he went up there, they called Aaron to them and said, We want you to build us a golden calf because we cannot see God. We don't know what He looks like. We don't know if we want to really be with Him since we don't know Him. But we would know this calf. And so Aaron, against his will, but if it's against your will, you don't do it. But Aaron built this calf. And they all started to bow down to this golden calf. Right off the bat, they began to sin. Right off the bat, they turned away from God. And right off the bat, they began to be the Israelite nation that they were to be all throughout their entire existence. What happened to the special people? What happened to those that were supposed to be a holy nation? What happened to those people that God wanted to set aside? Well, let's turn to Hosea, the first chapter. Now, this was the first, uh, second covenant that God had made with the Israelites there in Exodus. Remember, He made the first covenant with Abraham. Whenever He called Abraham from the city of Ur to Canaan, He said, I will make you a father of a great nation. That was the first covenant. And then talking to Moses was the second. Now, look and see what's going to happen to the Israelite nation. In Hosea, the first chapter, starting with the first, the fourth verse, then the Lord said to him, talking to Hosea, Now remember, Hosea was the prophet that God told him, I want you to marry a harlot. Now men, think about that. God told his prophet, I want you to marry a harlot. But you know, Hosea might have stopped and thought for a minute there, What? But then he turned and did exactly what God told him to do. He married a harlot. Why? Because the children of Israel had become harlots. They had begun to turn away from God even worse than they did in the desert. They started worshiping many idols. Not just the one golden calf, but many idols. And they started giving sacrifices to these idols. And they were sinning so grievously that God said to Hosea, Then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel. He's talking about the first son that was born. Call him Jezreel. For in a little while, I will avenge 
the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Judah and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Do you hear that? I will bring a end to the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Now, I'm going to give you a little history of the valley of Jezreel. Judah was one of the sons of the king at that time. And this king also had 70 other sons. Now, Judah wrote a letter to all the men that were taking care of the sons, and he said, I want you to cut their heads off. I want you to kill them, cut their heads off, and bring it to me at the valley of Jezreel. So all those men were scared, and they cut all the heads off, of these 70 sons and brought them to Judah at the valley of Jezreel. Now, whenever he got there to the valley and he saw all these heads there, he thanked the men for following him and doing what was right. He felt that he was going to be the next king. And he wanted to make sure that these others were out of the way. But he did it because Elijah had been the one to go against the prophets of Baal and killed all them, and they were still worshiping Baal. And so he had these people put to death. And then all those people that were there, he put to death. And then he called all the prophets of Baal to come to the temple and he put all of them to death. He had his soldiers kill them. And he said, if anyone gets out of this temple, then you will die in his place. So you can bet all those soldiers made sure that no one got out alive. And so God said, I shall, it shall come to pass in the day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. He is going to bring a great, terrible, uh, I'm saying other words to come up with the word that I am looking for. He's going to put a whooping on That's not the word I was looking for. But he's going to put a whooping on I always remember whenever my dad said, this whooping's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. I always remembered that because I thought it was supposed to be the other way around. It was going to hurt him more than it did me. But I knew my dad never lied. So here, God is going to put a whooping upon the people of Israel. And it is going to hurt them. Because the Lord knew it would not hurt him, but it's going to hurt them. And so she conceived 
another child, and it was a daughter. And God said, call her name Loruma, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel. I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel. God has had mercy on them for a long time. He has always been merciful to them. He has probably wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth as He has done other people and other uh, nations. But He continues to bring them back. But He says, For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah. He told Hosea, and Hosea always went out and told the people what God told him. Now remember at this time there are two different nations of Israel. There's Judah and then there's Israel. Judah was the ones living, still living what God wanted them to do. They were, they were doing all the right things. They were like the brother that the evil one hated because he was always so good. Oh, you're so good. Mom likes you better than she likes me. You know, they were doing that kind of thing. But God said, I will still take care of Judah and bless them. If that was me, it would have hurt to the very core that I would have started thinking, what can I do to change? And so he said, Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, or battle, by horse or horsemen. God is saying, they're not going to have to go out and fight anybody. I'm going to take care of them because I will deal with anyone who comes up against them. In verse 8, Now when she had weaned Loruma, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, Call his name Luami. For you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Now, did you hear that? He's saying, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together 
and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. God said, I will not be your God. But then later He changed it and told them that you are the sons of the living God. Again, He shows His mercy. God is always merciful. And He is so merciful to the children of Israel that they always take it for, uh, take advantage of it. But God still loves them, and He's still gonna show it. But, one thing, like, that He said, that they shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head. That one head will be Jesus Christ, because sooner or later, this is what going to draw them together, Jesus Christ, and they will follow Him. Whenever Christ comes again and takes the church home, and then there is the tribulation period, there will be Jews that come from every nation to Israel and throughout the world, and began to tell people about Jesus Christ and the love that He has for them. They finally come together under Christ and bring a message that turns people to Jesus during the tribulation period, and there will be more that will be added. Even during the time that Christ is dealing with all those who are left on this earth, He still gives them a chance to come and accept His Son. That is the love of God and His Son. Now turn to First Peter. The second chapter, verse 8, verse 9 and 10. And I want you to listen to this. I want, I want you to pay attention. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Do you hear that? He's not talking to the children of Israel. He is talking to the church. He is talking to the church that was started whenever the disciples went out and told people about Jesus Christ after they got over being scared of Him being put on the cross and shedding His blood for them 
and everyone else there in that country and also shed His blood for those who would come after. That meant every year, every uh, millennium, every, you know, far into the future, Christ died and bled for whoever is on this earth. And that means you and I. And we are the church of today. But those that were the church back then, God said, but you are a chosen generation. A chosen generation. We are going to be those that God puts His hand upon. Why? Because His Son, Jesus Christ, died on that cross and shed His blood so that you and I would have a chance to realize and understand whenever someone came and talked to you and told you about your their Savior, you listened. If you haven't listened by now, then please listen today. Christ died. He shed His blood. He was beaten to within an inch of His life then. But whenever He was nailed to that tree, it finally took His life on that tree. He did it so that we could be a chosen generation. And then it says, a royal priesthood. Man, whenever they were priests back in the Old Testament times, there was only special people that got to be priests. And it was a coveted position. I mean, they had battles whenever somebody tried to come in and take over. I think it was Hosea, the king that went in. Hosea? Uzziah. Uzziah went in and was going to make an offering. He was the king of Israel. And he was going to step in and make an offering. And boy, let me tell you, those priests came down and they were ready to butt heads with them. We don't care that you're the king. You cannot do what we were called to do. We are followers of Aaron and his sons, and God separated us from all the normal people because they really had a big head whenever it came to being free. And they said, you are not going to do this. And so God put the sign of leprosy upon his forehead. And he had to leave because he was unclean then. But we have a right to be proud because we can be a part of the priesthood. We can be Ones that go out and tell about Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, being a priest in the church of Jesus Christ 
is a very, very important thing. And if you go out and you spin your own gospel trying to get people to believe in you and not Jesus Christ, you will find that you will be in trouble. Being a priest in this church, and I don't mean this building, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ, is a very important and very um, It's one that you don't want to deceive people with. His own special people. That should hit you right here. Whenever God says we are His own special people. This was everything that he said the children of Israel would be to him. But they had sinned and turned their backs upon him for so long that he took that away from them. They are still the chosen people. And God still watches over them. But not the chosen people as much as they were back there and when God said that they were going to be a chosen generation and a holy nation and His own special people. Now we can be proud and we should be happy and we should be elated that we are called this. You may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. I have some Scripture verses here. It says that we should proclaim the praises. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. That's Psalms 43. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices, and I praise Him with my songs. That's Psalms 28.7. We should be going out and praising Jesus Christ and our Lord God Almighty, because It says here, He is my strength and my shield. I pastored a church. It was a little mission. And the people in this church knew their Bible. I mean, they knew their Bible so well, it scared me. Because I was afraid they were going to just try to delve into the Bible and try to catch their old pastor in some mix-up. Well, there was a couple of times they caught me in one that I wasn't sure of, but I always said, I will go home 
and I will look it up, and I will come back next week, and by golly, we're going to find out for sure. I never was afraid to say, I'm not sure about that, but I'll go and I will find out. But these people knew their Bible. And these people had a story to tell. But whenever I told them that they needed to go out and tell other people about Jesus Christ and bring them into the mission, oh, Brother Brown, I can't do that. I'm just too scared. I don't know how to talk to anybody. And I said, just open your mouth and tell them your story. One of them was a drug addict who sold drugs on the street before he came to Jesus Christ. Another one was an alcoholic who came to Jesus Christ and he got cleaned up. He went into jail to do it. But he got cleaned up. And then there were others that had just as great a story. Oh, I can't do this, Brother Brown. He is my strength and my shield. And my heart trusts in Him. People, we have God's strength within us. The Holy Spirit will give you the strength. The Holy Spirit will give you the power. The Holy Spirit will go ahead of you. He will make sure that there is nothing in your way. He will make sure that the demons of hell are gone before you go down that road and talk to that person. He will make sure that your way is free. You have got to believe. You have got to have faith. That is where we as Christians are falling down. We do not have enough faith. Like John said just a little while ago, there has been a tremendous change in our government. We have four years of a possible great Time for we as Christians to go out and tell people about Christ. If you don't get up off your pew and go out and talk to people about Jesus Christ, you are going to miss out on these four years because God might do us like He did the Israelites and that take all this freedom from us. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 7.21 By grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. That is God's gift to be renewed to be reborn, to have a new life, to have a new heart. He brought us out of the darkness that we were in. 
Remember that darkness that you were in before you came to Jesus Christ? There are some that I have talked to that said my whole life was so dark I wanted to just do away with myself because there didn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, whenever they come to Jesus Christ, when they accept Him into their life, when they follow Him, and let me tell you, when you follow Jesus Christ, you're always walking in the right direction. And when they follow Him, they said there was like a new light. I, I could, you know, a deer in the headlights stands still. It just, it's afraid. But this light is so bright and it's so wide that they say it, it's like the sun just pouring down upon me. How can you deny anybody else that great light of Jesus Christ shining in their life. People, we need to quit being afraid. We need to take the initiative. We need to look to God. Pray. Pray every day. Study your Bible every day. And just do what God asks you. He's made the way straight for you for four years. So let's stand as we have our invitational hymn.